Digital marketing seems to be the mystery that most entrepreneurs struggle with, and real estate investors are no exception. The truth is, there are multiple avenues to success. Those experiences will be best shared by the guests on this podcast. My name is Jason Wright, and I would like to welcome you to Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories. What is going on? Jason Wright here. Coming to you with episode number 35 of the podcast, more than a third of the way to 100 episodes. We'll get there. Uh, a few thoughts, random thoughts for me before we get into the show. If you uh, have been here before, you know this is how we roll. So I mentioned the last episode at the beginning about now. My wife and I were looking to get into a short-term rental locally in our market where we live. And it's interesting, where I started with this process is not where I am now, so... I've become a lot more dialed in to what parts of our city are actually doing well. You can do a little market research. And I've actually started meeting real estate investors in this area just from talking about it. You know, you keep talking about something, you'll you'll meet other people doing it. So there is definitely an opportunity here. I definitely want to be involved. The problem is I'm not the only one that thinks that way. So homes do not go for sale often. So I'd be looking at renting out a whole home in the area that I'm looking for. And I'm not patient. I want one now. So there's stuff available now, but they're twice my budget. So I can't do anything about that. But anyways, uh, one of these shows, I'm going to have an update. We're actually in the process of buying something, but that's not going to be this show. The research, the patience continues. On this episode, I talked to a, a client and a friend of mine, pretty cool guy. His name is Marcelo Valdez. He's a principal and founder of a company called The Next Wave Group. He is a Marine veteran, so he was a combat veteran in a couple couple different things. And I didn't know this about him. He's actually fluent in three languages, which I thought was interesting. If I, memory serves me correctly, I'm sure he'll let me know if I'm wrong. English, Spanish, Portuguese, I believe. He's lived in different countries and actually worked after his military career as well, which is pretty interesting. Now he's in San Diego from his real estate investing perspective. He is focused on affordable housing in a very cool niche, which I won't spoil for you. I'll let you let him tell you about it, but I'd never heard of it. I think it's pretty cool. So without any further hesitation, let's check out the conversation I had with Marcelo. What is happening, Marcelo? Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, how's it going? Good morning. Good morning. At least good morning from San Diego. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, 11.06 here in Indiana. I've been up for a little bit, but I am not known as an early riser. I am a I'm a guy that stays up super late, so very cool. I know this about you a little bit, but our audience won't. I'd love for you to share your story of how you got started with real estate investing. Yeah, well, let's see. So I, I've had kind of a multi-varied background. I started out in the military when I first was stationed somewhere. It was in San Diego. So when I got here, I thought, holy cow, I don't ever want to leave. I did several deployments. I was uh, in the Marine Corps. And so when the option came to move on, I decided to get out. I stayed in the reserves for, for a period of time, several years. Went to graduate school here, and then I went to a corporate job and spent uh, about 10 years in that corporate job. But as I did it, I kind of did some stuff with real estate. And it's always been a little bit of a passion of mine. It's just something that's kind of ingrained. My dad, in fact, I grew up in Houston, and he owned a single-family home big house in front and in the back in the upper floor, I think maybe before he'd bought it, they had added or, or cut out a part of the house to make an upstairs unit. And then he had two 
a garage and then an apartment above it. So that was, it was a fourplex. So when it came time for him to retire between that and social security, he was set. And it was just something he kind of always ingrained in. So it was just something that it kind of stuck. Yep. And so the story of passive income. And then, so eventually I did a couple of overseas assignments. I went to Brazil where I met my wife and then I went to the UK for a couple of years and came back. It was a little bit of fish out of water at that point. And as happens, it was a tech company. I was laid off. And so then I went into real estate full time, got my contractor's license. I did some of that building stuff for other people here in La Jolla, big fancy homes. Decided that was not really what I wanted to do. And so now building, doing Intel development and building what I call backyard apartments. And so that's where we're at today. Very cool. Uh, ironically, I was having lunch with my, my parents yesterday and my stepdad, 65, my mom would be 70, about two weeks. And they were like, here we are, you know, at this point in our life. And it sure would be nice to have some passive income. You know, we've got social security, we've got work, we've got 401ks, but they've kind of lost faith in the stock market. And I was like, yeah, I mean, there's, why do you think we're doing what we're doing? And why do you think I work with all these people that do what they do? It makes a lot of sense. They're like really, really seeing that now. So yeah, your dad was smart. That's great to just have that supplemental thing. You know, monthly recurring revenue is like the most beautiful thing in the world. You know, when we were starting this business back in the day, Upwork was where we went to find people. It was all projects. You had to hunt and, to, and kill and eat everything, uh, so to speak, with sales. So eventually, when we figured out how to generate monthly recurring revenue, it just stabilized everything. It just took a lot of stress away. Good stuff, man. Tell me a little bit about the, your asset class is unique. Tell us a little bit about that and, and kind of uh, what you like so much about it and why you chose that area you're in. Yeah, well, in San Diego, but I take a, take a step back. So throughout all of California, every year, year after year, and especially since the the housing crash, you know, 2009, around that time period, California has underbuilt throughout the entire state, certain locations even more than others, of course. I believe in the state of California, a deficit of over 3 million housing units. Wow. And yeah, and I know that in, this, in the city of San Diego, it's tens of thousands, and in the county as well. So uh, several years ago, I want to say about five years back, the state of California started implementing rules to allow, again, what I call backyard apartments. Or Some people uh, refer to them as granny flats. The official name is accessory dwelling units. And so in a sense, it kind of eliminated single family zone in the state. So anybody that has a, a house, a single family home that's on a lot that's big enough, by law, the local jurisdiction cannot stop you from building one ADU plus what's called a junior ADU. So essentially the concept is there's a max on each of them. The junior ADU is 500 square feet and the ADU is up to 1200 square feet, which in a lot of places, that's like a house. That's not really a granny. That's a, you know, that's a three bedroom, two bath home, yep. especially in the seventies. That was a house. So you can do up to that. So that's pretty cool. Now what the city of San Diego said, we'll take that as our floor. And then what we're going to do is if the lot is big enough or if it's in a multifamily cell, because we have a lot of duplexes or maybe fourplexes, even single family homes and multifamily zones, we're going to add bonuses to that to really encourage building. So now what is allowed is essentially if you get that minimum that is allowed by the state, and then they say, okay, now if you add an affordable unit, which is affordable by the federal standard, then we'll allow you to have one bonus unit. 
and then so on, affordable and bonus. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, there's no limit to it. So right now we're doing things like one duplex we have, we're adding eight units, turn it into a 10plex. That's in a multifamily zone. Single family, we've got one project that we're getting ready to launch, and it's we're going to turn it into a sevenplex. You could go on and on. Uh, so anyway, that's the concept. And what's really cool is I kind of call it lot arbitrage because you go there, you you find the home, maybe it's a place that needs a little bit of fix up, and the owner is aware that hey, this thing is kind of it's not in tip top shape. You get it at some kind of a reasonable discount. It doesn't have to be a deep discount, of course, because you know that hey, I'm going to have four units here, or six, or eight, or ten, yeah. and so it's it's really at least for now it's it's known here in San Diego, but still a little bit of a secret. So. I think we have a few years to where there's just an amazing opportunity. Number one, to do well financially, but also it's really needed. I mean, the housing prices here is really acute. So that's why the city's giving so much incentive to this. Yeah, I think I've told you this. That's really cool that you're the only person I've ever spoken to about this. Like I've never heard of it before, but yeah, it's awesome. It, it feels good to, to be able to invest in something, obviously create a good opportunity for yourself and your investors, but helping people actually get homes that need it is like the greatest feeling in the world. I actually was giving away, so I'm in this Indiana house trying to get it. Uh, we've got an offer, got an inspection tomorrow. I was giving away a twin mattress. My wife's like, oh, now throw that thing away. It's in pretty good shape. So I put it on Marketplace for free, and you know, within a half an hour, like 20 people want it. The guy that came and grabbed it, Judging by the interior of his car, pretty sure he was living in his car. So it's a real issue, man. Not being able to sleep or live comfortably is a big deal. Very cool. So what has worked for you so far as far as attracting investors to kind of what you're doing? What marketing strategies, what simple things have worked for you? So up until now, what I've done is just basically reach out into my local network, other investors, people that are interested people that kind of excited about the opportunity and we basically joint venture. So I also have a wholesaling business. So I'll find a property that's off market. I'll come to somebody and say, Hey, I've got an interesting opportunity here. Essentially you bring the money and I'll do the work building and we'll let in the, uh, in the revenue. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I've gone so far, but I have bigger aspirations. And so now the next step is I've actually legally established a real estate investment fund. And so I know that now I need to go way outside of my comfort zone and to go find sources of investors that are outside of even my known network. I can probably still for the next one or two projects sort of hit that circle of either people that I immediately know or you know friends or friends of friends. Yep. Uh, I think after that, I'll be pretty tapped out. So I've done that, and that's why I've reached out to you, you know, looking at active campaign, looking at some of the different ways of, of being, you know, much more effective in marketing. So I'm, I'm beginning to implement a lot of things that other successful capital raisers do. But yeah, I don't have a lot of experience in that part. So there's kind of phase one, and now phase two. I think you're on the right track. I think it is a solid strategy for sure. So here's a little bit of a curveball for you. Any regrets or any mistakes you feel like you've made in regards to your marketing so far? In regards to my marketing, I'm going to say any regret or mistake is actually just not starting sooner. Yeah. So since this is outside of my comfort zone, I have done a lot of reflection over the last six months or whatever and kind of said, why have I not pushed harder 
okay. uh, sooner. And so I would say that's my that's my big regret. And I'm just going to continue to lean into it. So it's just sort of like, okay, I think there's a there's a quote, and I might misquote it, but success lies on the other side of your comfort zone. Yeah. So, you know, certainly in the military, physically, tons of things that were super uncomfortable. You know, jumping yeah. out of airplanes literally in the middle of the night and and whatever. But sometimes we don't quite realize that, oh, there are lots of places where we're uncomfortable, maybe that we're just unconsciously not even aware of. And you kind of have to pick at that wound and say, oh, man, you, you got something here that you're maybe not quite acknowledging. So kind of a long answer, but I would say that's the biggest point is just not having started doing what I'm doing now sooner. Yeah, it's a common response. And I, I, I find myself having that same conversation internally a lot as well. So again, I'm in this Indiana house. My wife and I started a bunch of projects here over the last nine years. Well, selling this house, it's time to finish all those because we're not really people to leave stuff half done. And I was just telling her yesterday, why in the world did we wait so long to finish this stuff? Because we're going to give the nicest version of this house that's ever been to somebody else. We do it every single time. Yeah. She's yeah. like, you're not going to like this, but I have some plans for the new house. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to say what you're not expecting. Let's do it all as fast as possible. Let's, yeah. You can't get the time back, and it frustrates me. I can't ever get a day back that's gone by, so it's like, do something today your future self will thank you for. So I totally get that, man. I totally get that. Yeah. All right. I'd love for you to share a story about your real estate investing journey that you haven't shared publicly before. So it could be... Something funny, something happy, something sad, whatever you want. Uh, humor is usually where people go, but sometimes people surprise me. So we're just trying to make an effort to get to know the man on the other side of the camera a little bit better. Okay. Humor. I'll have to think for a minute about humor. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of it is people don't realize, and this is the one thing with, with passive investing and looking for passive investors, is that so many people want to do it themselves. Yeah. And I was I was one of those people. And I have run full speed into so many brick walls so many times that, you know, I now know what I didn't know. And I think that's probably where a lot of my marketing, as I think about it, will go to is if you're somebody who's got a full time job and super busy and family life and all that. Do you really want to take this stuff on? Because, and I think long-term it is a good way to go, but I think starting off as, as, a, as an LP, as a limited partner, you know, passive investor is a great way to, to get a, a peek behind everything that it takes to make it happen. I'm thinking of one that I haven't, because you said that I haven't told. Like, there's lots of stories that I do tell a lot of people, but, but I have one that's actually kind of sad, is that I probably, I want to say it was around 2008, I know it was before my, my daughter was born. So she was born in 2009. I was looking to buy, and I already had a, a couple properties. I was looking to buy another one, and I couldn't find anything that made that, that penciled. And because, of course, we were at that crazy peak. We were right there. But I did find a bit of a fixer, but it was a commercial condo. And my wife at that time had a small business. And I said, you know what? And she was in the same building. She was renting, subleasing a, an office. And I was like, well, we can afford this. Let's let's buy this. We'll fix it up. And yada, yada. Lots of all kinds of justification. Needless to say, what happened happened. And I got foreclosed on, on that commercial. 
And that was really, really tough. And and the thing is, is maybe the funny part is at that time they had all of the moratoriums and everything. Well, this was commercial property. So Bank of America sent me, you know, certified mail and it was 45 days and 90 days. And then it was gone. <laughs> it was the whole block. I was like, wow, they're, they're amazingly efficient and right on top. <laughs> and I went from being the proud owner of this commercial condo to, you know, having been foreclosed on. And so that was a brutal, brutal lesson. And it, it's taught me a lot about being conservative, about what can happen in a market. And kind of going back to what I'm doing now is a commercial condo, what can you do to improve it? Yeah. Not very much. Yep. Go inside, you know, you can paint it and put in new flooring. We did all of that, you know, doesn't really do much to the value. And of course, now we're seeing what's happening commercial property whole other category where people don't need to live in a commercial building, but they do need a place to live. And there's a desperate need now. So, so a couple of things, one is where you can really, and I call it super value add or hyper value add to a property. Plus I really believe in multifamily as a category, just simply because, and like you say, in, in all uh, metro markets, People need a place to live, and it's only getting worse and worse. It's not just San Diego, and it's not just LA. It's it's all over. I'm sure in Indianapolis and even in Atlanta and other places, lots of people are flocking to cities and metro markets, and it's becoming you know really tight everywhere. You read the stories about San Antonio, Austin, different even places where you think, wow, they can they can build forever and ever and ever. But people want to live in town, and the jobs are even still in town. And so, yeah, that's a long answer to your question. I'm sorry, that was so long. But yeah, I would think that's a that's kind of a sad story, but but it's also taught me a lot and it really underlines how I invest. The cool thing about that is it's part of your story. You know what I mean? You live to tell about it, so it didn't didn't wreck you completely. Here you just stands. I kind of find that as I reflect in life, the the best teachers are a lot of times those real hard, painful lessons, you know? So there's fighting for us for sure. So let's say uh, you talk to somebody later today, like Marcelo, I want to start raising capital. Never done this before. I'm brand new. What piece of advice would you give them as it pertains to their marketing? What would you say like, hey, focus on this thing right out the gate? I would say the biggest thing probably is just go out and find people who know what they're doing and have done it, whatever element of marketing it is. So that's why, for example, Active campaign and you know email marketing you know, went to you guys because uh, you're the experts. I'm not. One thing I've I've learned, and I learn it more and more just every day more now, is that finding coaching, finding folks that know what they're doing, be willing to pay them, be willing to step out there, even if it feel like it hurts a little bit to, to spend some money. Not only are you actually going to end up, I guarantee it, saving money. But you're also kind of to the point of accelerating. I'm now, I'm older than you. And to me, I just feel that pressure of time. It's like, you know, I'm going to go out and find people that can help me bring six months into six weeks, right? I don't want to spend six months breaking my brain trying to figure out how to make something happen or learning things that I didn't know. Kind of going back to my past, right? If I had, say, paid a very effective coach in commercial investing or, or an experienced real estate investor rather than just being a cowboy and doing it myself, I probably could have saved myself from a foreclosure. So that's what I would say. Go out, find the experts, either 
do whatever you need to do to to bring them into your world. And if you have to write a check, then write a check. But that's my philosophy going forward is going out and finding who are the people that are best in class that can help me attain what I need to attain to take it to the next level. What I hear you saying is who, not how. Yeah, go, yeah back to that book. Exactly. It's, and I, I always remind myself of that too, because I'll sometimes be thinking, how can I do this? How can I do that? And I'm like, ah, what? not how, who. <laughs> and it's amazing that sometimes you'll just kind of put out to the universe, I really need somebody who can help me with X. And the next thing you know, that person pops into your life and something just happens and you just, I mean, it's been happening recently with me. And it's like, oh, thank goodness that I've managed to find this person or that person for marketing, for bookkeeping, CFO, one of those kinds of things. It's like, oh, God, it just feels like such a relief to actually find a who as opposed to me trying to, again, break my brain and trying to figure out how, because I definitely can't figure it all out myself. Absolutely. I love that. So we're recording this podcast late August 2023. As you look to the rest of this year, what are you most focused on in your business? Mm, capital raising, for sure. I actually can go out into the marketplace, and it's it's kind of funny. You know, you and I are in a, a mastermind, and I, and I am following people on social media, and they talk about, oh, well, you need to be able to underwrite 100 deals a month. Deals are really hard to find right now. But as long as you can continue to stay in the game and whatever, and, and that's not my problem. That's not my problem. I, I actually could do, literally, if, if I had the money, I could do a dozen deals right now. Wow. Now, that does not mean that I have the physical capacity or, or all of the people to actually execute on a dozen deals. But what I'm saying is, is I can underwrite and look at a dozen extremely profitable deals right now. But I don't have the capital. So I am wholesaling them off or trying to figure out how to kind of postpone them, extend escrows, uh, do whatever to sort of kind of push things along to see if I can get enough capital to, to bring into these deals. So so actually, that's my challenge. So it's it's no longer about the deals. It's about actually raising the capital. Yeah, it's funny. I've talked to a lot of people about this, and I would say a vast majority would agree with you that like if you can raise money, there's always going to be opportunities. This is completely unrelated to anything that we've talked about, but you just said something that, that triggered me. Uh, I'll just r remind everybody watching and listening, be careful on who you pay attention to on social media. A lot of people put on a persona that's not really them. I see people all the time that post, and I'm, I'm just like, this person is full of shit, and they know it. Why are they doing this? They're giving advice about something they have absolutely no business giving advice on. Yeah. It's just, it's funny, you know, building the real relationships with people and connecting like this or face-to-face -face is great, but just be careful who you listen to out there. There are some people that would love you to think that they're well off and good at financial advice and they're actually broke and on the verge of losing everything they have. So you don't want to take advice from people like that. So I saw yeah. someone today and I'm like, this person has got to stop posting. God dang <laughs> Yeah, yeah. My challenge at posting is I really don't want to look like one of those people. Yeah. And so it's really, I, again, I'm a little older. And so I'm totally uncomfortable with social media, but I do post. But I try and make it just sort of be about, here's what I'm doing. Here's what's going on. Yeah. Uh, hey, here's a tip. Here's a thing that, you know, like I was talking to my architect the other day and, and two mistakes I ran into. Well, I shouldn't, yeah, they're, they're mistakes, I guess. Yeah. One property I had actually closed escrow on from the end of, I think it was 2021 into 2022. And another one I acquired at the beginning of 22. 
And during that time frame, of course, we're in California. So we have these geological maps and they redefined the map for all of these fault lines. And both properties ended up being subsumed into this greater fault line area. And it's like, oh my gosh. So delays, testing of geological stuff, it's, it's, it's actually a big deal. And so I was talking to my architect and he said, oh yeah, these are actually, this thing is expanding. He's like, I'm finding now a lot of people are coming to me with properties that are inside of these fault line ramps. So, and, and you have to know how to look for them. And so, this is, I don't know, it's kind of a long example, but it's something that, you know, I would post and say, hey, by the way, make sure here's the place you go to uh, in the city of San Diego. Here's here's where you want to go. It's a little bit hidden. You got to kind of peel back a, a layer or two and go find that area where you make sure that, you know, you're not within that geological fault area. Just stuff like that, as opposed to, yeah, here's my fancy vacation or whatever the heck, you know. Yeah. I think I told you this, you are come across like super consumable on video. So I think that whatever you want to post education-wise, journey-wise, I think people resonate it really well. Can't say that for everybody. Some people are like, I want to make video. And I'm like, this person has no business being in front of a camera ever, just because it's it's uncomfortable to watch. And watching is like that. They don't look like they want to be there. So it makes it really weird. But you're like super chill, super authentic. So I think video, you know, even just little short videos like that are a great idea. Anytime you're in doubt, if you can educate, if you can just be real with people and share the journey, that stuff matters. Uh, you will attract people, even though you don't think you will. And a lot of times people will follow you and watch you and you won't know it. You won't know it for a long time or you may not ever know it, but there's always more people watching than you think. There's people mm -hmm. that ever like or comment, but they always watch. Something to think about. If anybody watching or listening wants to get more info about you, about your company, what you're doing, how can they get more info from you? How can they connect with you? I'm actually working, again, on education to be a little bit more educational. My website is www.thenextwavegroup.com, T-H-E-N-E-X-T and wave like surfing, thenextwavegroup.com forward slash guide. And there you'll find a guide to backyard apartments. Now it's it's a little slim now, and I'll just continue to upgrade it and expand it over time. But it's, I think it's going to end up being a pretty good product. So thenextwavegroup.com forward slash guide. Beautiful. Well, my friend, I really appreciate your time and attention today. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for listening to this episode of the show. I had a great time making it, and I hope you really enjoyed yourself listening to it. If you want to keep up with all things Real Estate Investor Marketing Stories podcast related, I encourage you strongly to go to reimarketingstories.com and signing up for our podcast newsletter. We will simply keep you up to date with what's going on at the show, new episodes, and things like that. reimarketingstories.com. So hopefully today's episode and the other episodes that you'll listen to will remind you that as a real estate investor, everybody starts at the beginning, okay? Um, our guest today and the other guests that you will hear on this show will share their real story, right? They'll tell you what worked, what didn't work. And I want you to remember one thing, if you remember nothing else today, it's possible for you to, okay? Never stop going and keep following your passion. Finally, today's show has been brought to you by CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. If you're an active capital raiser, 
you are ready to learn the three areas that are holding you back from raising more capital, I strongly suggest you check out CapitalRaisingAutomations.com. Check out our free 10-minute video there, and you let me know if it doesn't provide you value. I'm sure it will. All right, thanks again for listening to the show this week. Hope to see you next time. Take care.